Hello everyone and welcome back to TVO. On today's episode, we're going to be doing my most anticipated movie of the year, Spider-Verse. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, having loved the first one, which happened five years ago, which is crazy, uh, we finally get the sequel to one of, if not the best Spider-Man story out there. Um... And yeah, my god, did I have a lot riding on this movie. Uh, it, I can't remember. I think, because in 2018, uh, I think Endgame came out, right? No, Infinity War came out, or Endgame. It's been confusing which one was which. <laughs> Give me a second. Yeah, Infinity War came out the same year. Um... And on my total rankings of movies that year, I did put Spider-Verse at number three. And I put Avengers Infinity War at number two. And I put Bad Times at the El Royale uh, at number one. Now, I would now probably put Into the Spider-Verse as joint number one. I really do like Bad Times at the El Royale, but for two separate reasons. Um, but yeah, I would say... I really enjoy Infinity War, uh, and however, Into the Spider-Verse has probably become one of my favorite, probably just behind Iron Man, it's probably number two. Um, so, understanding that, <laughs> there was a lot riding on this movie. By the way, full spoilers, if you haven't already told by the title, full spoilers alert, I'm not really one to fuss about with, like, trying to go over... Like, plots and hide things, I feel like... Yeah, spoilers... There's the best way to discuss it. Trying to step around stuff doesn't really work. Um, but yeah, so... A lot riding on this movie. And I gotta say... Whew, did this movie live up to every single expectation I had. It improved. It added. It... Sorry, I'm playing with Tic Tacs. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, one of the sponsors that I would actually gladly say on this podcast, but they're not a sponsor. If they do want a sponsor, hey, go ahead. I love Tic Tacs. I spend way too much money on Tic Tacs. Um, but yeah, super, super build-up expectations for this movie. Five years it took. Um, I would have been happy with no sequel, but I trusted, just like The Last of Us Part Two, that the people behind it knew what they were doing, and... That game lived up to my expectations, and so did this game. Movie? Wait, what? <laughs> Shit. Game? Movie? I mean, this would be a great game. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, let's get into it. Let's get into what I loved about this movie. One of the reasons I loved the first one was it was an animation style that we'd never seen before, and it was glorious, beautiful. Um, every frame was a piece of artwork. I mean, it is safe to say... This movie is no exception. Every shot in this movie is pretty much meticulously crafted and beautiful. Um, I don't think there was a moment on screen where I wasn't like, oh, that's so cool. Um, the story, whilst of departure from the original one, still goes into cool and new character motivations and building off previous stuff. Um, all the new characters are great. All of the new introductions, the ones that they build on work um yeah so the, the so they, they basically introduce 
the concept of this villain Spot, um, who is like kind of goofy, kind of just the dumb villain that no one expects to be any good. And the way they build him into like a really terrifying villain for the future, because okay, straight out of the bat, this is a two-parter. If you didn't know that, like I I knew that, but I forgot. So when I went into the theater and I sat down and the end came, I was like, oh, <laughs> and I, I this has actually been. So I want to talk about the theater experience or the cinema going experience because I have not seen a cinema that full. Like the one, my local one, you get a couple people going on day ones of like big Marvel movies and stuff like that. And I think the last time I saw that cinema that full was for Endgame, um, like four years ago. And I know we've had a pandemic and stuff like that and there's people slowly coming back to the cinema. But like five years really did build this movie. And like it didn't do that well in theaters, the original movie. It did okay. It warranted a sequel. And the word of mouth and the press and all of the like positive reviews of it did well. And I think over the course of streaming and people just generally hearing good things about it, it has built up this following, um, which is nice to see. Because I was like expecting to go into this. Um, it was on a Thursday night at like 7.45, which is probably reasonable for people to be going. But I was expecting like Friday to be the busy day. But it got because that's the that's the initial release date that's when it initially released you just get some early screenings and stuff like that um and i was like oh yeah no i'll head down there um because i want to go see i was really excited for this movie so i was like oh there's an early screening i gotta go see this because if i if i see this on thursday it's not out yet on until friday in most of other places so i get to watch it slightly early get to enjoy it um and yeah i rocked up and i was like all ready to go and like, I turned up a little bit late so I could miss the ads and stuff. Because that's just how I plan it. I, like, you got, like, 20 minutes of ads now before the movie. So if you turn up when they say it's going to start, you have to sit through 20 minutes of ads and stuff like that. So I try and time it so I kind of sit there towards the tail end of the ads. But there were so many people there. And all of them were going to, like, see this movie. And I was worried I wasn't going to get a seat. <laughs> so, yeah, I literally had to kind of kind of shift how I was going to deal because I, I had like prearranged that maybe I was just going to go see this and get like a seat but when I went to book the ticket because I was going to queue up and get um, a cheaper ticket because I had a little discount code um, but you have to go because you can't apply it on their self-checkout thing and you have to go up to the counter to get them to put the ticket through because I tried it on their self-checkout thing and it didn't work so because I don't think they have an option for codes and if they do have a code it's not for a ticket specifically for that movie and then when i try to do it on their online thing it doesn't seem to have an option so i have to go up to the counter but there was such a long line and i was already like a couple minutes into the ads so i was like oof, i don't know how quickly they're going to rotate these people i need to get a ticket so i literally just bought a full price ticket from their self-service thing and avoided the whole queue and i was like thank fuck because <laughs> i wasn't really going to have uh i don't really i don't i do occasionally have um snacks in the cinema but this time I was just like, nah, because I was just like, I don't need food. I'm not hungry. I don't need to drink because I don't want to get up and need to pee during this movie. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. It's like a two hour, 20 minute movie. And you don't feel it. Like, I know people have been complaining that the length's long, but I was so enwrapped in this movie. Like, no moment was boring. Like, the beginning is slow, but I like slow build ups to things. 
because the the beginning of this is it it isn't Miles Morales, it's Gwen Stacy. You get to see her world. Her world is great because the colors shift in the background and blur. Um, depending on the character's emotions and what they're feeling and all of that stuff. And so we're introduced to Gwen, and she's dealing with the death of the fact that she inadvertently accidentally killed her Peter Parker. Because we already knew this in the first one, but now we get to see it play out and how how that's affected her relationships with people, her f- relationship with her father, all of this stuff. And she finally found a friend in Miles, and now she's back in her universe and she can't see him anymore and the the troubling stuff like that and how of suddenly she's fighting a renaissance um vulture who uh isn't from her dimension and she now gets to meet uh spider-man 20 2099 and jess drew spider woman uh and get her she ends up revealing herself to her father like her face um and he is playing the cop and then 2099 peter basically traps him for a second and then offers like reluctantly to help her out and basically give her a way out of this to join the team that they're on and that beginning like fight where they're fighting the vulture really cool really inventive i love the like gwen drum beats in the background because she's a drummer and then she does like that sequence whew, where she's just webbing up the helicopter that's crashing. Generally, really, really cool. Um, and there's just so many little details because I've, I've watched this twice now. Um, I wanted to watch it again before doing this just because I really like the movie. Um, so some of the little details. So they introduce um, Spider-Punk, who is the British Spider-Man, I think. As you can tell by the accent that they're doing, <laughs> very um, Cockney, uh, British, um, very difficult to understand. I found the first time because I'm like, oh, you know, I understand what they're saying, but like, it, it's a little too. But then again, I, I, I don't know. It's probably correct, but yeah, it's a little hard to understand the first time around. But once you go back the second time, but the second time, so in the end, uh. Uh, Spider-Punk basically gives Gwen the, uh, they have wristbands, uh, like wrist controls to basically travel through the dimensions and get back. And there's, uh, because Miles has basically broken out and run away and everyone's like, uh, and gone back to his own, like run away from all the organization of Spider-Man. Uh, Spider-Gwen is also sent back to her thing, and so she gets a rebellious one, because Spider-Punk is all about rebellion. So she gets the rebel, rebellious one from uh, Spider-Punk, who they've been friends with for a little bit, and I was like, where did he get that? Was it his one? But it seems like built together with scraps and stuff, so I'm like, oh, okay. But because I wasn't paying attention too much to him in the first viewing, uh, when they're being introduced to uh, Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, he's like picking things off the tech that they're doing. And if you pay attention to those little pieces that he's taking off, they are on that band at the end. And he's also the one who encourages Miles to break out of the, like, shows him how to blow up the uh, shield that he gets captured in at the be- like by Miguel um, and all of this. It's very well done. Uh, there was another thing. Oh, there's also the, when Miles is transported back to his dimension. If you do pay attention, 
uh, it does show him going to Earth 42 and not Earth 1610. Yeah, 1610, 1610, because of his DNA. That is actually shown on the display. And I didn't clock it the first time, but going back, I looked for it and it does display it. That was the other thing. And I'm sure there's hundreds of other little details that I missed the first time and second time. And I'll be, when it comes out on streaming or when I go back to see it again soon, there's a lot of movies to come out and review. (laughs) There's Rise of the Beasts, Extraction 2, um, The Flash, Mission Impossible, Barbie. I don't know if I'm going to be doing that one. Uh, (laughs) uh, Indiana Jones, but I don't know if I'm going to be doing that one. There's a lot of stuff coming out uh, in the next two months. Oppenheimer. All of these movies and stuff. Um, some will be co- I'll be covering. Some Dan might be covering. Who knows? Um, but yeah. So ultimately, yeah. The the the, the tie-in is because my uh, so going back to my earlier point of like the villain spot. He's goofy and he's dumb, and you're like, oh, he's not much of a threat, and he's a villain of the week, and that he takes personally because they tie him into Miles's backstory. So he is the Alchemax, one of the Alchemax scientists who was there when Miles and all the other spider people. He brought the spider over to this one that bit bites Miles and the reveal that Miles wasn't ever meant to get bitten and that's the reason his... Well, according to Spider-Man 2099, Miles, uh, Miguel O'Hara, um, he's the reason his Spider-Man died in that universe because according to the canon, Spider-Man, that spider was never meant to be there and Spider-Man would have saved the Alchemax thing, preventing all of the um, time nonsense going on and uh would then have concealed it and kept it all in canon and whatnot um but because miles got bitten by a different rate like spider there's no spider-man in another dimension and we then see that dimension when he goes there and it's run down and miles is the prowler um which was cool and that's the ending and it's really really cool (laughs) um so they tie in the spot to that and then they have him try and, like, be the villain that, like, his arch nemesis. And then Miles insults him by saying he's, like, a villain of the week. And then he disappears and gets kicked in his own butt and then falls inside himself. And then he sees a load of other Lego, dim- like, he sees the Lego dimension, which was really fun. Apparently that was made by, like, a child who did, like, the original, like, uh, like, he did a trailer um, when the first Spider-Verse uh, trailer came out. And they were like, oh, that's really cool. Maybe we could get that kid to do, um... A scene in the movie and they were like oh do we even are we even legally allowed to get like hire a child to do that so they went and got permission and all of that stuff uh and that's really cool and then they also have the venom universe because they have the little store lady um uh from venom show up you get a lot of cameos in this too many to name but the cool ones you do see andrew garfield you do see toby Maguire. they mention tom holland's spider-man potentially and Doctor Strange, uh, you get the Spider-Man uh, from the video games. Uh, you get some Spider-Man from the animated TV shows. You get Mal, um, Donald Glover, Donald, Donald, Childish Gambino, <laughs> uh, from from like as the Prowler in it. There's a weird moment when they look at each other like really deeply, and then it's like it's rude to stare. But I'm like, why are they looking at each other? Because he's not voicing. They should have done the voice. I wonder if they have a scene where the um, uh, the voice actors are playing their uh, their voice acting counterparts as live action. That would be cool. Um, 
But yeah, speaking of the voice actors, they're all phenomenal. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, especially, and um, Shamik Moore, uh, truly, truly great. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry uh, as the dad, really good. Um, I don't know who. Yeah, Luna, the the voice actress with the mum's really good. Uh, Jake Johnson again, funny. Not in it as much. Um, Jason Schwartzman as the spot, really, really good. I think it was Jason Schwartzman as the spot. Uh, Oscar Isaac, really good. Um, all of the voice acting, just really great, on par. Um, it's incredible to me that Haley Steinfeld is like the best part of most of the two animate, like two animated shows that I lo- like, two animated things that I love. Uh, this and um, Arcane. Don't know why it took me so long to say Arcane. Love that show. Uh, which also has an incredible art style. I'm so glad Spider-Verse came out and pushed, like, it's okay to do different art styles. Um, and this one also hopefully pushes Hollywood to realize that, because this is made, this is made bang. This is really, really done well. Um, the first one did all right, but, like, this one's doing pretty well. It's made a lot of money in the first week. Um, I think it's close to pushing what, um, yeah. I think it's close to pushing, like, the numbers that, the Mario movie. I don't know why the Mario movie. The movie, Mario movie is fine. But its animation style is, like, pretty standard. It's not doing anything near this. And God, if the Mario movie wins uh, an Oscar. <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed. If somehow, yeah, if somehow this year, uh, the Mario movie is the one that wins the Oscar. Because that's the one Hollywood, exec- like, people's kids watched. And that's why they do it. Because that's roughly how it works in Hollywood. It's like... Because the animation one is not as regulated as any of the other ones. Uh, anyone can vote on it. And most of the time, it turns out that it's the ones that the Hollywood elite kids have watched. Because they don't, they don't have to, they're not under any obligation to watch all the movies. So it tends to be just the ones that the parents have let their kids watch and the kids enjoy. <laughs> so hopefully this one wins. Because fuck me if Mario wins, I'm going to be so sad. Because I imagine... It should lose, right? Because there's not many... I imagine... What we got? We got this. We got um, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Um, animated movies 2023. Let's just have a quick look. Yeah, we got Elementals by Disney. We got Mummies. Yeah, I don't think... I'm sure there's going to be some small, like, indie ones, but I think the big ones will be the Mario movie and Across the Spider-Verse. Maybe the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Uh, I like how John Wick Chapter 4 comes up in animated. (laughs) It's not an animated movie. Uh, Yeah, I can't see any, like, big ones. I guess Chicken Chicken Run 2, apparently. Uh, Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, Trolls Band Together, Mummies, Wish... By Disney, yeah, I don't see much com- competition for, for, but there might be some stuff. So hopefully, uh, Spider Verse wins. But yeah, um, so let's talk about the conflicts. We got Gwen Stacy and her father. Um, she leaves because her father can't accept, and then she comes back. And the scene where she comes back after being basically kicked out because she couldn't. So we got the basically Gwen is told. Like, all of the spider people are told that Miles is uh, gonna, like, is the cause, or at least perceived to be the cause of what's happening. Um, And he's not meant to be Spider-Man. And 
that that scene on the train is fucking phenomenal. Like where Miles is like, everyone keeps telling me what I who I meant to be, and I'm like, nah. And then boom, shoots him off, and it's great. But the moments before where it turns out Gwen and Peter both knew that Miles was not meant to be Spider-Man, and they didn't know how to tell him, and they didn't want him to find out. And that's why Gwen couldn't go visit. And she breaks protocol by going to visit him and hanging out. And then it leads to the spot basically getting away. And then the events unfold. Um, And I like how they've basically gone, look, if you keep constraining the stories to canon and only sticking to canon, you are only repeating the same events and the same stories over and over again. And you can't expand past that. And I love that. That message is so cool because we've we've been getting a lot of stuff and people complain about canon and how it ruins it. And like a lot of people, when they first saw a black Latino, was it Latino? Oh, I don't want to be, don't want to be insensitive. Um, like superhero who was taking up the mantle of Spider-Man after like a white guy and people going, oh, that's so, in- that is not, he's not Spider-Man, fuck him. And then he's got like the best stories because he can be the young spider-man and stuff like that that everyone wants but they want peter parker the white guy and it's like yeah but you run into the problem that comics have had for years where it's just the same old story and you have to keep resetting him back to the point and he's never allowed to grow and you just keep everyone perpetually a child or a teenager or they lose they have to sell their soul to the devil to reset and bring people back and it's just like eh. Everyone hates it, but they just refuse to let it evolve. (laughs) And, like, you get writers who are like... It's like J.J. Abrams. It's like his Star Wars movies. He brought back all of the original characters because he he was finally able to play with them. He was finally able to play with all those characters that he'd seen as a child and grew up with. And that's the temptation, right? But you don't build anything, or you can't always build because you want to keep these characters alive, and you can't build and then... Ryan Johnson comes in and tries to change and bring new stuff in and everyone fucking revolts and then they bring J.J. Abrams back and he keeps the status quo and everyone reverts back and regrets what they did in episode 8 and they spend so much time trying to bring it back to the status quo that you can't tell a new story and continue the story that was being set up and you just bring it all back to the start again and you feel like no one's had any progression and nothing's changed and it's the same thing. And that's the, the, like, episode seven is basically the same story as episode four, but with some slight changes and everyone's basically the same new characters and it's all the same. And then you basically have this new direction that it could have taken, but then people were so scared of that, that they dragged it back and then it's kind of a mishmash of both and it doesn't work and it fails miserably. Whereas this builds on all of the characters. Miles has grown since the events of the first film. He's learnt himself. He builds himself up. And he knows what he can do. And he's got new abilities and stuff like that. He's worked on his new abilities. And they all build up. And they help him. And like, yeah, he's a Spider-Man. He might not be the Spider-Man that people want. But he is a Spider-Man. And he's good. And he's doing the right thing. And and he's got a different perspective. And he's trying. And he's just being cool. Um, And also, that was the other thing I wanted to point out. The world building in this is really well done. Because all of the different uh, locations and universes have a unique art style. And so even when on the first viewing, I didn't see that little um, 42, uh, 42 
thing on the screen. I still knew it was a different dimension because the art style was different. Even though they tried to trick you because it's all raining and all the same shots across um, the thing, you can see like the background signs and they're all illuminated and he's hiding behind a sign and it's Magyar O'Hara is in front of a sign and it's like they're trying to match cross. So you can see him like, ah. Uh, but the art styles are so distinctly different that I kind of went, ah, oh, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't look like his you know, his um his world. And then you get the reveal that it's not. His mum doesn't know who he is or who Spider-Man is. They know who he is, but they there's little hints and stuff before that. And you start piecing it together and then it ends and you're like, oh. But yeah, because the art style is different, at least it looks, it has a different style. It still looks very similar, but it has a different tone and style to it. I feel like I did pick it up a lot faster. Um, and yeah, I might have been sidetracked. What was I talking about? <laughs> um, villain. Villain's design is really cool. The dumb, goofy, like, white and black spots, really cool. And people making fun of him for looking like a cow. Uh, and then the shift where he hits the collider and the dark, like, scratchings um, and they color invert him. So cool. Looks really cool as a villain. And, like, the glitchy nature to him, um, which is similar to, like, the glitching of, like, when you travel across the dimensions. Um, and the fact that he is, he is pro... pro posing an actual threat to Miles's existence because he's trying to take everything away from Miles's life. Uh, he doesn't know Miles's uh, Spider-Man is Miles, but he knows Spider-Man. So he's going to try and... Actually, he might know. I don't know if he knows it's Miles. I don't think he... I think he just knows him as Spider-Man. Um, but he... I don't think he does because... Nah, yeah, I don't think he does. Um, but he is now a very looming threat, uh, in Miles' world, because as the canon suggests, the captain in P spider mans life will die to teach him that he can't save everyone, like, because he has to pick between someone he loves or the person of the loved one, I guess, but the loved one is Miles, and yeah. Man, this movie is good. What are some cool things I can say about this movie? Uh, what we got? What we got? I think uh, Indian Spider-Man, really cool design. I think I heard that the comic design is kind of like nothing, and they completely redesigned him for this movie, and they gave him a cool, cool-looking outfit. Um, also voiced by the guy who is Dopinta in the Deadpool movies. And so, yeah, cool. Uh... I heard a lot of people were complaining about Ben Riley's interpretation, uh, the Scarlet Spider, because they made him a joke. But I've also heard people go basically, yeah, those people don't know what they're talking about because in the comics, the way he's depicting everything, because he basically says everything out loud um, based on the thought bubble, like, like, because in the early days comics, whenever he was created, they basically wrote down everything that he was saying in the thought bubbles because that's how you just depicted dialogue like thoughts and dialogue and stuff like that and so he's just basically saying everything that he sees and that's how it is in the comics and like i'm, I'm like yeah cool um so the one thing okay this was the one thing i didn't love about this movie uh in the original into the spider-verse the soundtrack is so good um that i can't listen to the soundtrack without having to put the movie on 
because listening to the soundtrack without the movie doesn't feel right and the way that it is blended into the movie feels phenomenal so if i ever get an inkling or a feeling that i want to go listen to that soundtrack i have to put the movie on because it just works this one the music isn't as memorable i will say that but it works in those moments as a as like a as an accompaniment accompaniment why can i not say that word <laughs> Um, it works as more or less like an enhancer. It's not as in your face as the the other one. Whereas I feel like that was the necessity of the first ones. It was the what's up danger scene where he's like jumping off the building and you see the glass shadow underneath his hands and he's falling and then it kicks in and then he's running through the streets and he's whipping and whatnot. They do recreate that sort of in this movie, but the music isn't as loud and as hard hitting but it still has the same sort of emotional punch to it um it's just not as it's not as there but it's still there i think the moment it kicked into me is at the beginning and it is that sequence where gwen is like capturing the helicopter and it kicks in and the like the the music kicks in and all of that and the bass and the drums and stuff i think that is the most and then there are other sequences, but I couldn't always, like, dip, like pick it out. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think the music is good, but it, I don't think it is. it beats the original for momentous impact of that soundtrack. Still good, still works in the movie, still elevates all the scenes in the movie. It's just, I don't remember it as much as, and I don't know if I, I might be able to listen to that soundtrack and love all those songs without having to watch the movie. Which is either a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure. Um, what else? Uh, there's a cat in this movie that has a Spider-Man mask. And a horse that wears a Spider-Man mask. And a, a giant T-Rex that wears a Spider-Man mask. Um, they're all things that happen. Uh, I like the, the, the reason why Peter Parker... Peter B. Parker is able to, like... He even acknowledges it, that he is only able to have the life that he has is because of Miles. And I love their little heart-to-heart -heart and then the the portrayal of, like, Peter's watch going off and they find his location and then Miles is also after running away. And, like, yeah. Uh, I do like uh, the villain... Well, he's not... <sighs> Miguel O'Hara is the main antagonist like spot is in the background for most of this and he does disappear for bits of the movie and to get uh miguel o'hara and uh miles like that conflict to kick in um and i think miguel o'hara is good i like oscar isaac i feel like he has a compelling reason to be doing what he does but he also he i'm sure he will learn the lesson that all of us know and that just because something has to happen doesn't mean that you can't also have other things happen that also teach you those lessons. So the fact that you have Uncle Ben die in Spider-Man's life or a similar equivalent uh, happen, like Miles loses his uncle. And then uh, in the Earth-42 universe, Miles loses his dad and then becomes the Prowler. But I'm sure... We're going to get um, moments where... Oh, okay, yeah. So I'm just looking over, like, the Wikipedia page just to kick into moments, just so I know what I'm doing. Um, 
even though it's not really a hundred percent it it gives you a brief outline. I'm just running over the the things, but I'm just remembering shots and things that happened in my head as well as well whilst it's going on. And I just remember all of the stuff with Gwen is great. There were just moments where her mask is in like the background of scenes, like in her world, uh, and the color shifting. And there's the shots where it's Spider Gwen's costume, and then Gwen, and then they flip it, and all of these things. And I just love those shots um, where they're looking in like reflections and they see the mirror self of what the mask that they're hiding, but the face is actually the mask and all of those things. <sighs> um, yeah, I think Gwen is probably my favorite character in these movies. I feel like her moment. Oh, that's the moment. Um, her and Peter, not Peter, her and Miles sitting upside down under the tower um and then just having that because i was really worried i still don't know if they're gonna do it but their relationship is a friendship to me and i think it's a good thing for hollywood to kind of normalize the idea of men and women being able to be friends without romantic interest but it does feel like miles is more interested in gwen than she is in him and but they also have the moments of like yeah, they, they that moment where they lean on each other, or she leans on him while they're hanging upside down, and it's like a nice moment after all of it. It's just like, hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm glad they're friends for now. I wouldn't be opposed to them being in a relationship, but I do think they work better as friends. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll like it regardless if they do it well. If they just kind of force it, they have built the relation, the the, the uh, relationship to a point where it could work. I can't remember how old Gwen is meant to be, but apparently Miles is... That is the one thing I find odd. <laughs> I always forget Miles is meant to be, like, 15. I keep thinking he's, like, 18. He just looks 18. Um, but, yeah, I don't know how old Gwen's meant to be in this timeline. Because the parents even comment she looks old enough to be in, like, college. And I don't know American education systems well enough to know if that's, like, 18 and, like, three years older or four years older or whatever. But she was in the same year as Miles in the first one. So, but then she could have just walked into that class. Who knows? It is a conundrum. I just Google how old Spider-Gwen is. How old is Gwen in Spider-Verse? Gwen Stacy was 15 or 14 or 15 years old in Spider-Verse. Um, 16 or 17. Okay, so yeah, she's like two years older than Miles. And okay, yeah, that's fine. They can be that. They're, they're, yeah, that's fine. I was worried she was like five years older, but I mean, whatever. Age. Don't date super young. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, uh, let's let's talk about parent relationships in this movie. Um, Miles is a parent. Phenomenal. Really good. Love their interactions. They're funny. They they act like parents. Um, the voice acting's good. I like that Miles, when he's Spider-Man, gets to uh, have a heart-to-heart -heart with his dad, like in the first one. And then dad, later on in the movie, basically does the thing that Miles was telling him as Spider-Man. Um, they do seem to care. They do... I will be sad if the events do unfold the way that the movie is beginning to show. Like, they... they the, the thing Miles is trying to prevent happens. Um, which is his dad dying. Because his dad's gonna make... Ca his dad's captain and then he's gonna... His dad's gonna try and save someone and then he's gonna die in the process of saving that someone. And Spider-Man can't do anything to stop it, according to the canon. Um, but yeah, the mom's heart-to-heart -heart with Miles is really good. It sucks they kind of... 
I, they kind of put a lot of the like stuff at the end of the movie in the trailer because I think that's where more of the action happens. So that they're trying to get people on board with this, and that's where you get to see the whole spider community and stuff like that. That's what people want to see. So you do see a lot of the middle and end bits of the movie in the trailers, um, which is a shame. And that speech that the mom gives is also in one of the trailers, like cut a bit and they, they shift some stuff around. But ultimately I was like waiting. I was like, when is that moment happening? Cause it's, it's it takes a little while and it is towards the end of the movie. Uh, like the middle, it's more towards the middle. It kind of shifts. Like you got about an hour and then it shifts. And it's like, yeah, it's about in the middle. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, wow, there's still a lot to go. But it is two hours and 20 minutes, so I'm like, yeah. Uh, there is no post credit scene, which I like, because I was kind of expecting it, but I also didn't expect it, because I don't remember the first one having an end credit. Um, oh, no, it does. It, it, it's the tease to uh, Spider-Man 2099. Uh, it is the Miguel O'Hara tease. Uh, but I'm Because this is a part one of part two, um, so I'm glad they didn't do... They did, like, an end game where there's no end credit because the emotional impact of the final of the movie is enough to keep you on board. Like, the reveal at the end of Miles being the Prowler and Miles also being trapped on there and then it ending with Gwen going and recruiting all of the the people who have been on Miles' side um, to go help Miles. I'm looking forward to it. They bring back uh, Noir Spider-Man, Spider-Ham... Uh, Penny Parker, they add Kobe, uh, who's Spider-Punk, they add Indian Peter Parker, um, they, oh, that was another thing, that, that India Moonbatten, I think it was called, uh, was really cool, um, I like the art style of that place, I like the fact that it's all just traffic, and it's just hundreds and hundreds of, like, bridges and stuff of traffic, because that's just Mumbai, <laughs> And then Manhattan is also traffic. So you combine the two and it is just mass traffic. Um, good. Uh, but yeah, I've been talking for a long time about this movie. Yeah, I think every character looks cool. And I'll end it on that. Um, I cannot wait. Oh my god, if they do pull off the third one, this might be one of those film trilogies that like is heralded as like a masterpiece because you've got like the lord of the rings um that's about it <laughs> there's a lot of other like trilogies that are like they have their dips but this is like the original star wars like everyone's like one two and three they're really good the third one seems to drop off for people i think for the lord of the rings the third one drops off for people sometimes um but yeah if they can pull like that finale off um, let me just, let me just quickly Google trilogy movies. Uh, Back to the Future, The Dark Knight. <laughs> I would not put The Hobbit. <laughs> um, the original Spider-Man's, nah, I wouldn't say that because the third one sucks. War of the, the, the Planet of the Apes ones, that is one that basically sticks the landing. The Cornetto trilogy, not really the same story told over, so I don't know. Uh, Back to the Future, I think people hate the third one. Iron Man trilogy, I think is good but the second one does drag it down and i know a lot of people don't like the third one <laughs> the amazing spider-man does not have a third film unless you count um no way home uh, yeah 
Star Wars, the good Godfather, the third one apparently sucks. That's what I mean. The Matrix, yeah, don't know. Indiana Jones, I guess maybe there's a fourth one though. Pirates of the Caribbean, I would say. But although I know some people don't like it, I would say it's pretty good. But yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you can get um like the perfect trilogy, it's a rare bat. And normally the second one's the good one because it builds on. If it's good second movie, it builds on and improves. Oh, the uh, the the Hangover movies. I know no one loves all of those, but that is another trilogy I just thought of. <laughs> I don't mind them. I think they're all on the same level. I think the first one's the best one, and then they do decline, but I still feel like they're pretty much all the same movie, which is, yeah, uh, the problem. But if you do it right, the third one should be... It won't please everyone, and I know that's going to be a problem, but if they do it as well as they've done the second and first one, it could be maybe the best trilogy out there, and it's high. The, the expectations are high. I'm glad we don't have to wait five years for it. And we only have to wait like 10, 10 months or something like that. Because it comes out next year. Anyway, I've been rambling on for too mo- long about how much I like this movie. Um, I shall see you next week for... I think it's Extraction 2 and The Rise of the Beasts. Transformers movie. Maybe. It'll be one of them if I don't watch... I, I'm planning on going and seeing Transformers. But... The reason why I like the Transformers again is because of Bumblebee, which has Haley Steinfeld in it. And I like Haley Steinfeld because she's the best part of a lot of the things that I like. that Or that are bad that I like. So, or good that I like. Because <laughs> she's the best part, one of the best parts about Hawkeye, even though that thing is shit. <laughs> uh, she's really good in Bumblebee. I think that movie is pretty decent, but not the best, but it's probably the best Transformers movie that they did. But she's not in the next one. I don't know. She might be, but I haven't seen it yet to know, but I doubt it. (laughs) Um, And she's amazing in Arcane. She's amazing in Into the Spider-Verse. And she's amazing probably in a lot of other stuff I haven't seen her in. But yeah, I really forget how good Hayley Stanfield is. Um, And I wish to see her in more things because she's cool. And anyway, I shall see you then. Goodbye and enjoy and go watch the movie. See you later.